Oh. Oh. No, it's nice. Okay, so it's Saturday the 15th, 16th, so some sort of date is in it? May, Saturday the 16th of May. I've I completely lost and track I, of time. And what we haven't done here is we haven't decided in advance what we're actually going to talk about. No. So we should no. probably start again, shouldn't we? No, why should we? No, why should we? No, well, we'll start it now. Yeah. This is live, John. Um, yeah, I know. We can't start we, again. We can't start again. That's no, the no. beauty of it. Oh, and no. I hope you all enjoyed that hilarious cod opening where we pretended not to have discussed what we were going to talk about. <laughs> as if we were professionals as we are. Irony. Uh, yeah. um, so there was this man came in and talked to us about his cinema, wasn't there? Yeah, well, we've got a lovely volunteer here in the shop, Chant- it's called Chantal. A pity about that. Which, well, I know I, yeah. that. which makes you think she's from Essex. She's not. She's from uh, the Netherlands. The Netherlands. She's from Herland. Oh, no, that's, that's actually her. That's sort of more Norwegian. That's, that's sort but of she's from Herland. Sort of Norway. Uh, yeah. She's from Ireland, and this guy came in. It's not, not really racism. Who's yeah. uh, her friend, and he's part of the Lexi Cinema. Who give uh, the Lexi Cinema is a seventy-five seater. Just think, if we had friends, um, if we had, we yes, could go only, there with them. We could. Yeah. We could have. It's like it, I mean, it just sounds wonderful. They've got comfy seats and uh, candles, and all sounds a bit of a fire hazard, to be frank, but wonderful. <laughs> and they do. Uh, very, very good contemporary films. And um, all of their profits go to charity. In South Africa? Uh, a charity in South Africa, because the main woman who runs it uh, has links there, Stellenbosch, which ooh, I only ooh. know about Stellenbosch via red wine. Sounds and like- I'm presuming her charity isn't a red wine drinker's charity. If it is, oh, I'm yeah, getting in there like yeah, Flynn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing they're doing is something called Nomad Cinema. Mm. See, I'm telling you this, and you're being very good because you're not going, yeah, I know that. This man told me only a minute ago. I'm a professional. We discussed all this beforehand. I absolutely not. did. So, um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, and, so and the Nomad what, goes all over the place. Why is it called Nomad? It's called Nomad because it... It goes all over it, the place. Yes, I said, in, sorry, in, in I answered spaces. the question. And, and, uh, well, they're going to the Hippodrome in Leicester Square, the, mass, the big casino place. That's not very open. Uh, but they're going to... That's not open. ...padding all kinds of parks at Queen's Park, all manner of open, lovely places. And Barclay Square, I think, which oh, sounds quite posh. Oh. And they're doing, they're doing breakfast at Tiffany's. They're doing what? Breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, really? And gay. Gay. That, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and Casablanca, gay. Gay. Yes, um, yes. They're doing... What else Divor- are they doing? Divorcee. Gay. No, the gay divorcee, yeah, no, yes, straight. No, 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 um, no, no. They're doing Little Shop of Horrors, very gay. What, what's the famous line in that? Fam- um, well, I don't know. If they're, well, for me, feed me. <laughs> I, there's, it's, um, I auditioned for Little Shop of Horrors once and my singing voice is kind of bass baritone. Would you like to sing not something for me? Remotely. Feed me. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a song. <laughs> it is. Feed me now. <laughs> it's the... <laughs> uh, so, it's the call uh, of African my, charities. Um, <laughs> My uh, agent or my agent's assistant sent me along to, and I was thinking, little shop of horrors, there's nothing in, apart from, uh, there's a part for a, a, a very evil dentist who rides a motorbike, dresses in black leather, and he's just a sadist. Son, be a dentist. Um. And I thought, well, that, I would love to be kind of a lesbian dentist. It would be fantastic. You could be. And, uh, and then oh. the, the, the heroine in it, called Audrey, who in the original... Uh, film was played by Ellen Green. And Ellen Green, she's got a sort of a voice like that. And, um, oh my goodness, and uh, her singing voice is like that as well. It's very high and very girly. So, uh, and her name is Audrey in the film. And because the, the male lead is in love with her, when he grows this plant that turns into 
a massive man-eating plant. Uh, he calls the plant Audrey. So I arrived and thinking, you know, I've son be a dentist. I've lost track of what's going on. Carry on. And I said, what am I auditioning for? And the girl said, uh, Audrey. So I thought, fantastic. I'm going to be the voice of the plant. Because they all, it's always... Um, Oh, it was like James Earl Jones did it in the movie. Big, whoa, big what, butch. Darth Vader? Big butch black yes, guys. Do the voice for that. I am your father, Audrey. Exactly. <laughs> oh, no, I can't. Mm, I've got a bit of a cold, but I can't oh. do that. <laughs> anyway, turned out, due to some hideous mistake um, or an urge to humiliate me totally, they put me up for... A little Audrey, like this. And, um, <laughs> so I got on stage. And they said, uh, uh, would you like to do your song now? And I said, yes. <laughs> and it was just this massive, belting, very deep rock and roll kind of... And you could just see their face going... What the... F-? And then, obviously, the worst casting <laughs> anything ever... But I still love the movie. You could have been the motorcyclist. I could have been the sun, be a dentist. Yeah. I, if, if anyone out there is casting a Little Shop of Horrors, I could be your admittedly slightly ageing now uh, lesbian, black leather wearing, motorbike riding dentist. Could be. I would have a racing cert. Uh, what they call a shoe-in. Somebody... I was talking to somebody yesterday. He kept talking about people being a shoe in. I thought you said a shoe ring for a second. I thought oh, it was some sort of bizarre shoe-in. sexual thing. Yes, yeah, shoe in. Yes, shoe-in. A shoe-in, Yes. Uh, no. Yes. Yeah, so there we go. But you were watching uh, leather-clad men racing uh, when I came I in, was, weren't you? I was in what? Northwest 2000. What was this? Well, Moto. As I would have expected, any right-thinking person would know, John. This weekend offers a. Offers a smorgasbord. A smorgasbord. A smorgasbord. Oh, a smorgasbord of all that is one, or a lot of what is wonderful in the motorbike racing world. In Le Mans, we have the MotoGP, uh, which I'm sure you know. Mark Marquez stormed. Oh. I'm quoting the uh, the um, uh, motorcycle news uh, website here. Stormed to pole, um, and Cal Crutchlow only just missed out on the front row and also across in Ireland um, there's the Northwest 2000 if you like road racing and I don't if you like your if you like your your 160 mile an hour races with the added thrill of the possibility of smashing into a post box or a house I'm more a double decker bus man myself right well they're all there but uh, you know have you ever ridden yeah uh, well I've passed my... Um, I, I can see you in black leather in my dreams. I, I passed my little basic testing. You go around on a scooter. And much to my embarrassment... A scooter? A scooter. A child scooter? No! A, like a Vespa, you know... Um, Vespa Tilly. Vespa... What's it? A little 50cc thingy. With, with horns. Uh, I, I was slightly embarrassed, given that I had come to this from... My total knowledge of motorbikes and everything came from... Uh, motorbike racing, and I think I had. You did motorbike raced? No, no, no. All oh, I uh, knew oh, about yes, motorbikes yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was was through being at the race tracks and living at the race tracks and okay. filming the race, filming at the race tracks uh, for five years. 
Why? Uh, I was asked to do a television Fly the Ball documentary, <clears throat> which eventually we called, I came up with the name, um, Natural Born Racers. Kind of a take on uh, natural born um, killers. A there. born writer, born kind of writer. Brilliant. I yes. don't know why I'm not employed anymore, yeah, quite yeah, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a leather. I've thrown all that away. I don't fit into it anymore. Oh. It's the steroids. So um, all I really knew about was racing. And I thought, I want to learn to ride a bike. And you, what you have to do first is you do your basic knowledge thing on a little scooter. So I got on the little scooter. And it's all much scarier, really, than it seems from the side of the track. Because as, as I went out on my test, you know, they go out, you've got a little intercom thing oh. and there's about three of you and an instructor and he watches you and whatnot. The only instruction I got from uh, the instructor the whole way was try to keep up to the speed limit. <laughs> I, was, I think I was, I had, uh, I'd accelerated up to about 20 miles an hour and was convinced I was doing at least 60 because everything seemed to be flashing past. It was, it was really, I was like, oh my God, I, I'm, I, my reflexes just aren't this fast. I was like, can you, Cobstick, can you try and keep up to the speed limit? We're losing you. Uh, my favourite bits were when I hit a red light and I could stop and calm down a bit. When did you hit a red light? I, I aimed for them. Oh. I aimed for them. But, no, I did um, one year get a pillion ride with uh, Neil McKenzie, who is a three-time British superbike champion. And he took me round... Uh, it was Croft, which is a racing circuit up in the north of England, famed for the bomb hole and having a really Excuse long... Me. Famed for the bomb hole? The bomb hole... And uh, it's really long back straight. So can, can we go back to the bomb hole? Bomb hole. From, from a real bomb? No, they just call it that. Right. Because it's a dip in the track. Ah, okay. Don't let me interrupt you. No. <sighs> Too late. Uh, so I was offered a pillion ride because they wanted a patsy, I think, to, to get a pillion ride from Neil and scream in terror because there was a lot of press there. So uh, I clambered into the leathers, got on the bike, and Neil said, uh, asked the people on pit wall, should he go fast, very fast, or stupid? Uh, oh, fast, very fast, or shit your pants. And they went, shit your pants! And I have never, before or after, experienced anything like it. it, it it's... I don't understand how any motorbike racer can come off the bike at the end of a race and not just start crying because your life is so crap and so slow and so dull when you're not on that bike going round at 160 miles an hour or indeed a lot more on the bigger, faster bikes. It, you feel super human. So it's, so it's not scary, it's actually just adrenaline, it's pure adrenaline. Just, I've, it's just, you, you feel superhuman, um, you feel invincible, uh, and I don't believe in God, but when you're going round a corner and your knee is almost on the ground because the bike is lent over, the lean angle is so great, 
I always imagined when I'd been watching that that it would be scary and that you'd think, oh, no, the bike, it's going to slip, it's going to slip. When you lean over and, you know, there's bits of grass brushing your helmet, the air beneath you suddenly turns solid. It feels, as in, I don't believe in God, but it feels like the hand of God is holding you up. And I suddenly understood the racers because the minute you're out the corner... You're thinking, when I come back, when we go around next time, we can go faster. We can get, we can brake later, we can lean more, and we can get on the gas faster because it just feels so safe. And and when we were belting down the back straight, which is when you can accelerate the most, um, again, watching it, I always thought, well, how can people see anything? You see everything you, you somehow inside your head something clicks into another gear and you're going oh look at that there oh is that a bit oh there's a bit of litter there better avoid that and and when you're coming down pit lane street again i always thought because they've got their pit boards out telling them what lap it is uh what the gap is to the rider in front what the gap is to the rider behind um and i was like well how can they possibly read that, you're going past it 160 miles an hour, for God's sake, you can read everything. I don't know what it is that happens inside your head, but, but you read everything. It's the most extraordinary experience I've ever had in my life. And I think, as you can imagine, John, I've had several quite extraordinary experiences in my life, but nothing what, like that. What would your second most extraordinary experience be? My second most... Ex- you did tell me, but we shouldn't actually go to this possibility. You, you, uh, there was that, something about you driving up the wrong way up a road in London. Oh, that was... Uh, that wasn't an extra... That was me being... Stu- well, stupid. That was... That, this was... Um, uh, this was BA, before antidepressants. Um, BA? Oh, well, sorry. Before antidepressants. Sorry, yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, yeah, I was a bit... Mental is probably... Um, yeah. And um, I'd done... Um, I'd done lots of things. I mean, I'd, I'd, my go-tos were always alcohol uh, and self-harming. And when they don't work, because that's all temporary. Um, and it, I suppose anyone who has done the depression, the proper depression thing, you, it's like being gradually frozen. Um, and so you, you, are, you become completely non-reactive to anything, you know, for example, I, uh, the day before this incident, um, I had been uh, in down in town, I'd gone for a drink, my house keys were in my coat, I, I left my coat in the bar. Now, I came out the bar, I was about 100 yards up the road, and I thought, oh my God, I've left my coat in the bar. But... I couldn't make myself do anything about it, not even turn back. To and, and then, this was in Soho, and for some reason I ended up walking back to Shepherd's Bush. Which is a way, that's right. Because, I mean, it was three hours or something, um, in the middle of the night, because I, I, the, the whatever effort or whatever it would have taken to get on a bus was, I don't know, for some reason too much, walked back and then slept on my own doorstep. Outside. Outside. And 
because I, you lose your, your brain or your mind just becomes detached from everything else and you can't make it work anymore. So, I mean, I, I was a bit like that for a while. I had a couple of wibbly times when I was in my uh, teens and my 20s and my 30s. I've been wibbly quite a lot. And so, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that when it gets bad, you would sit there and if somebody came and just punched you in the face, you would just sit there and let them punch you in the face. And inside your head, you'd be going, he's going to punch me in the face. Yeah. But you can't... Yeah. I mean, I think uh, the bell jar, that you know, Sylvia Plath's description is pretty fucking good. Anyway, so this night um, after that, and there was a couple of other incidents, and I... I don't know, I just had a bit of a moment and I wanted to sort of <laughs> feel something. Yeah. So I got on my bike. It's a, a motorbike? No, push bike. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm dressed in black, of course, no surprise there. Of course. And I cycled down to Shepherd's Bush Green and Shepherd's Bush Roundabout. And so that's the big roundabout with like almost a motorway spur up to correct. Westway. Correct, yes yeah. it is. And I cycled round it the wrong way into the headlights of cars. And this is They're a serious roundabout because I mean, as I say, it's like almost a motorway spur. That. And I had no lights or anything on my bike. And, I, and they all swerved and everything. I mean, it wasn't, it was, it was very late. It was like one o'clock in the morning, but the cars were going a bit faster. And I, I just... I think I just wanted to to see if I could be frightened or panicky or that something would click and I'd go, oh, good grief, I've come out of it now and it's all marvellous. Um, and what happened was uh, it was a white van man kind of screeched to a hole in front of me, oh, what the fuck? And I just put my bike down at the side of the road and walked back to the house. Um, and there was no click, but in the morning... I did, I, I, it, there was enough of a click for me to go, okay, now, I'm going to end up dead and my father is going to be, so, well, furious, no, but, but so upset. Yes. Uh, and so I went to the doctor and um, started downing uh, citalopram, which I, it's, I think it's, it's marvellous. It keeps you, as, well, as, as relatively sane as I am... Which is an upper, is it? It's a, it's yeah. a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. Mm-hmm. There we are. It's an upper. I can see in your eyes that you're impressed there. <laughs> it's, it, well, it's an antidepressant. Yeah. yeah. So there we are. So Enough about me. No, no, but did, so uh, you talked about the... the uh, it must have been adrenaline or something pulsing into your brain when you were on the motorbike. So did, when you were going round and round back the wrong way, something must have been, your brain must have been doing something. It wasn't just, just totally closed no, down. It was no, it was nothing. It was, it, still, was, it was still closed out. It was nothing. So you hadn't, you hadn't jump-started I wasn't, yet. I wasn't, you know, as any sensible person would be, you'd be crapping yourself. Yeah, yeah. So you're very clean, nothing. even for a woman of your age. Well, you're I quite know, clean. I know. And yes. I did have the wet wipes with me. Oh, yes, yes. Um, uh, no, nothing. I was waiting to feel, oh, my God! Yeah, yeah. I, and there was just nothing. Oh, what's it like now? Uh, well, um... You, you take, you're still taking tablets, I'm still, right? ta- I'm still yeah, taking yeah. the tablets. And, um... But, but uh, don't the tablets inhibit sort of that sort of, wow... Uh, no, I don't m- find... The motorbike thing. I don't find... 
They do. No, I mean, I... I thought they I know, sort of give, give you an up from the depression, but they wouldn't actually... They would stop you having the highs as well, wouldn't they? Well, I, I have not found that. Yeah. I mean, you, have you been on antidepressants? No, no. Did you ever take the tablets? I, I, I'm a bit wary of drugs. Ah. <laughs> so, when you had your moment, because you had a moment... I had a moment. You I, didn't I, take anything? Well, I, had, I tried to kill myself by taking oodles of drugs and it, oodles right, of tablets. Right, And, and therefore... For for like three years after that, my body always refused to take like headache tablets because it was thinking, oh, oh, I want to take any tablet; it's a bad idea. Oh. But I've always avoided taking any. I never had any recreational drugs. Uh, uh, as they call, as they call them, not very yes. recreational. Oh, I, I loved think. my recreational drugs. Um, but it's all. I mean, I think it's all looking for the same thing in a way. I never actually. I I didn't really do recreational anything particularly recreationally, because... I think recreational is probably a misnomer, really. Yeah, because, you know, alcohol <laughs> was always a means uh, to an end. Oh, you see, I was never interested in alcohol. Alcohol, I thought, well, people just take alcohol as an excuse to say what they want to say. Uh, no, alcohol always used to be a great, great, great help. Alcohol's like weed, me. so people talk for hours and end, thinking yeah. they've solved the problems of the world, and you're sitting there thinking they're talking gibberish. I think you'll find that's cocaine. And the cocaine, they just they talk fast. That, yeah, <laughs> they talk, more gibberish. They talk gibberish fast. More gibberish. <laughs> um, but no, I. Uh, but I, you know, the citalopram is now kind of my my drug of choice, aided by everything that I take for the lupus uh, and the occasional uh, flurry of um, alcohol. And of course, yeah. tramadol is my friend. But should you be taking alcohol and these things? Should no, of course you shouldn't. Oh, okay. Only a stupid person would do that. Hello. Hello. Yes. No, but yeah. um, no, uh, you certainly shouldn't be, and probably not mixing them with tramadol either. I, I don't know what tramadol is. What's tramadol? It's, a, it's an opiate. It's like a. It's kind of like a, a fake morphine. But uh, that does the same effect as morphine without. It's. It, well, they they do say it's quite addictive, um, but I. I don't think I'm addicted yet. I mean, I'm only taking nine a day. In fact, where are they now? You're sitting on where, where have you been with my tramadol? You've got them, haven't you? You've got them. You took them. Um, do you think we know anyone normal? Well, no, because we know comedians and, and uh, uh, showbiz people and media people, and they're all mad. I mean, when we did that, that um, uh, it wasn't the Grouch Club then, but the, but the chat show thing about... Uh, mental illness. Yes. I mean, the place was packed out and everyone was kind of vaguely mental in their own particularly fucked up way. Well, I always feel left out of these things. Everyone starts swapping through stories about the tablets they're on. And I think, well, I'm not on a tablet, I'm just naturally dodgy. Know, but, you know, I, I, a proper suicide attempt trumps quite a lot of tablet taking. Well, most people have done that anyway. I feel for other well, sort of, uh... you know, but I, I think that quite a lot of them are not that serious. But a oh, proper attempt- serious yeah, suicide yeah, yeah, attempt... Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I'm impressed, and it takes a lot to impress me. Oh, well, we're fucked up, Mrs. Kentucky. We could not work together if you weren't sufficiently fucked up. How kind of you to say that? You wouldn't be able to stand me. I, mean, I was talking to the lovely Juliet Burton yesterday. Who, oh, really? Who was saying that she, we, we were thinking that she'd have introductory music on her show in Edinburgh. The Doors. People are strange. <laughs> people are strange she... when you're a stranger. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> she's doing her the same show again, isn't she? Well, I don't approve of that. 
Well, she's only doing it for look at me again. Seven days. Well, look at me some more. Oh, but she is writing. No, that. really, look at me. She, she is writing like two and a half other shows or three shows simultaneously as well. Really? Uh, but she's only doing that, the, the old one, uh, once in. I'm, I'm, we're now plugging Juliet Burton. Mm. We should mention Louis Schaefer at this point. Uh, she's, she's doing a show once in Brighton, twice at the Soho Theatre, and then I think she's doing it at uh, seven days in, in the Fringe. And then is she doing a new show? Well, she, well, you know, she's got seven or eight shows planned. I think it was seven, I think it's eight shows planned now. Uh, and she's only done two of them so far, isn't she? Or maybe three, two. Do, uh, live shows or live shows? Yeah, yeah. Why is she doing that? What? Because she's a workaholic. Oh, uh, this is her latest mental disability, is it? Well, it probably is. No, it probably. She was anorexic. Then she was bulimic. Yeah. Then she's body dysmorphic, and now she's a workaholic. Yeah. Well, well, all simultaneously, probably. Honestly, pick a fucked-upness, Juliet, and stick to it. Actually, do we, do we know a seriously sane person in comedy? I, I don't think we, we do. Well, you, be, you, couldn't, you couldn't be sane, because you have to be different. I mean, who's the most normal? Or dullest. <laughs> we can't well, say, it's not we can't necessarily... No, no, no. The most the, normal person the most normal is... Person. There aren't any, really. Well, all the interesting... Well, the, the bad ones are probably normal, but the, the interesting ones are all... Uh, I can't think of any. But you have, I, I suppose you have to be slightly odd because who's going to pay 10 quid to go and see uh, a bank manager talk about a life that uh, involves gardening and oh, bank Arnold managing? Brown was an accountant. But he, well, I don't know, there's an element to drill. I don't know, well, he's still funny though. Is he, is he fucked up? Who knows? We mustn't, mustn't I don't know. Well, well, he's Jewish and Scottish. Uh, uh, well, uh, Scottish is okay, Jewish, of course. Mm. Well, Jew, Jew, so Jewish, it kind of comes in the genes, yeah. doesn't it? Jew, Jew, Jewish or Catholic, you've got the guilt, of course. Yeah. I think we've come to an ending because we, we come back to what we always come back to, which is all comedians are mad. Uh, which is, which is and, and, quite simply true. Ah, now, talking of comedians. And we shoot that 25 minutes into this. Yeah, strong yes. comedians. Um, <laughs> I think... Therefore, that I uh, am... Need to drink. Uh, I think that... Uh, well, I've been hearing a lot of very, very good things about John Bishop's new show that's coming up, including the fact that he seems to be showing, he or his producers, but I'm assuming yeah. John, yeah. being as huge as he is, mm. has got a lot of say in it. He seems to be choosing fantastic people to guest on the show, not just, you know, the usual suspects, not just, oh, well, they're all from Avalon, so that'll be fine. Um, but, for example, your friend and mine, uh, my, my lift around Edinburgh, Miss Tanya Lee Davis, oh. uh, which is just fantastic. And then, I don't know whether uh, he's got a thing about Canadians but best news I've heard in a long time, Glenn Wool, who is just, I, I think, an awesomely talented comic, uh, a, a, an appallingly, unacceptably overlooked comic. I still have not forgiven the Foster's lot for not giving him the award for uh, This Road Has Tolls, which was a consummately brilliant work in every way, technically every way. Uh, you almost never see comedy as clever as that, with, <clears throat> where the, the, the technical genius of it is so perfectly covered up by the, by the general kind of Glenn Woolian affability and uh, I'm making this up as I go along, which he self-evidently wasn't. Anyway, he gets overlooked a lot because he's always been there and he's always been great. 
But which is better, a Foster's Award or a rave review from Copstick? I think you'll find. I think you'll find it's a Foster's Award, John. <laughs> to, be, to be quite honest, uh, but uh, and he's never really done telly because he doesn't because he's, fit he's, the mould. He's not British. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He just doesn't kind of fit the mould. But he is. Uh, I'm so happy that uh, say, uh, good old John Bishop, good young John Bishop, um, seems to be giving us a nice line in. Canadians. Loads of Canadians up this year. I love the Canadians. Pete Johansson, brilliant. Brilliant. Pete Johansson sounds like something you're telling someone to do. Oh, he's just wonderful. Nobody, nobody, nobody has female masturbation material to touch, if you'll pardon the expression, Pete Johansson. I, I bow to your experience in these Oh, matters. my God, the guy. Honestly, he... I'm just throwing this out there for any young... Um, uh, comedy groupies who are out there, but I would reckon, going by <laughs> his material over the years, that Pete Johansson has to be the best fuck in comedy. I think on that note, I think that's probably it, is it? <laughs> <laughs>